It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com. Joel Weldon, welcome to the show. Welcome to Become Your Own Superhero. Well, Levin, thank you very much. And glad you're here as a listener. So what are we going to talk about today, Levin? Well, I'd love to throw you under the bus early doors, Joel, if that's okay. And I want to know why we should never, ever say, have a nice day ever again. Well, isn't that what most people say? So just imagine, as you're listening to this, you go and get some service in a restaurant and you have a good experience and the waiter or waitress gives you the check, you pay the bill and they say goodbye. And you say, well, thanks so much and, and have a nice day. And that's what most people say. It's just a common expression. But think about what those words mean. It means it has to do with the day. What if the day isn't going good? Well, I guess then your day isn't going good. But if you change one word, instead of have a nice day or have a good day, where it's subject to other things, switch that to make it a great day, which says it's not the day. It's not what happens. It's you. And if you're a courage seeker, you know that your life is your choice. And when you tell people to make it a great day, it stops them for a moment. So here's my suggestion. First plan of action. Change your voicemail. Thanks for calling. Leave a message. I'll call you back and have a nice day. Just say, make it a great day. And people will comment when they call you back or you call them back. Hey, that was pretty cool. Put it at the end of your emails and make it a great day. Your life is your choice. It's not the weather. It's not the price of gasoline. It's not what the competition does. It's not losing a sale or having a problem with somebody that you love. You can still make it a great day every day. So that's the power of words. Eleven to make an impact with what you say. So does that answer your first question? Well, it's it's not absolutely nailed it, knocked it out of the park, and you've got me thinking. If I'm looking like I'm drifting off a little bit, I've just realised that my voicemail at the end says, "Have a great day." If you're not having no, I'd I'd encourage you to have a no, have a great day if you're not having one, and if you are, keep up the good work. Would you? <laughs> <laughs> Well, then you're indicating they might not be making it a great day. Right. But, but think about if you have kids and they're going to school and you say, okay, well, have a nice day at school. Yeah, as long as a bully doesn't pick on me, as long as they get a good grade in the test, as long as the teacher doesn't embarrass me. But if you say, okay, kids, make it a great day at school, which means it's all up to you. It doesn't matter what happens. And as you know, that old expression, it's not what happens. It's how you respond. 
And that's what Make It a Great Day does. It starts that off that your life is your choice. And no matter what happens, you can still make it a great day. Well, Joel, i got to say, I, I was so excited to get to know you through John and Ginger Mitchell, mutual friends of ours, and, and to share you with my world and my audience or our audience and our world because of how brilliant you are with language and the stressing the importance of communication. So for people that have never, ever heard of who the heck you are, how would you describe what you do? Well, it's important they've never heard about me because it's not about me. It's about ideas. And as you can see on the screen, it's about using speaking to grow what it is you do. If you own your own business or if you're working in a business, your ability to communicate and express your ideas is so important. So for over four decades, I have been a Hall of Fame professional speaker, having spoken at well over 3,000 events as a paid speaker. These aren't free talks. And have personally coached and critiqued well over 10,000 speakers. So basically, if you ask, what does Joel Weldon do? I help people be more effective at expressing what they have inside their heart and soul to the people they're trying to reach, whether that's on a webinar, a podcast, an educational seminar, on a video, at a live event, and working with some of the world's best speakers, that you can always be better. And there's a little poem, since you're so into words, think about this one, Laban. Good, better, best. Never let it rest till your good is better and your better is best. And that's what high achievers are constantly doing, seeking out a better way to do what they do. And if they're already great speakers and communicators, take it to even a higher level. And that's what I help people do. And you do it so beautifully well. And you come from incredibly humble beginnings. And I know that you used to sling a hammer in your early days, earning four-fifths of not much. And I'm curious to know if you'd be happy to share that little story with our audience. Well, here, here's an interesting thing. As you're listening to this, if you were on this show instead of me, you have a story. Everybody has a personal story. And everybody's story is wonderful. Your story, you were telling me about your health issue and how you figured out how to heal your body. And, and how that diet helped by hearing something on a podcast that gave you the key to unlock that unhealthy situation you were in and turn yourself into a magnificent physical human being now with such fitness. And as I look at my notes, you know, you're half my age. I mean, you're 41. I'm going to be 81. And I certainly don't feel that way because if you make it a great day every day, you're going to keep getting better and better. So this story that you have, here's something about a personal story. And since you're a student of learning, you know that Simon Sinek did a TEDx talk, and I think it was in 2007, about your why. And in that talk, seven different times he mentions that people don't really care about what you do or how you do it until they know your why. Well. I don't agree with that, if you think about it. So let me just see if this works with you, since our listener can't respond, but you can, Laban. So just imagine you're at a meeting and a speaker is on stage talking about a subject. Is the first thought in your mind as you look at that speaker, I wonder why they're doing this. I wonder what 
his or her why is. Is that the first thing you think of when you hear a presentation or a speaker? I think so. No, I don't think so either. I think you're thinking, what does this person know that I can use to help me be whatever that theme of that presentation is? And if we went back five years ago, when you weren't as healthy as you are and weren't as fit, you might be saying, well, I hope this person has something that can help me heal myself and get my better body in better shape. And if so, I'm in. And I don't even care why they're doing it. I want to know what they know and how it can help me. So the reason I'm beginning this personal story with that little switch in your thinking is keep this in mind. You have an interesting story. I mean, you come from New Zealand. You have a wonderful fiance. You had a physical problem. You've overcome it. You're a courage coach. You have a podcast. You're doing all these wonderful things. And guess what? No one cares. No one cares. And no one cares about me either. If you're listening to this podcast, you don't care about me. You want to know what does this guy know that can help me be an even better communicator to get out my message in a better way. So that's how I tell a story. And that's how you should tell a story, too. So I'm going to share, since you set this up, saying that I used to be a carpenter, a personal story but I'm going to do it in a different way. And I'm going to tell you up front what I'm going to do. Now, normally I wouldn't do this, but since this is the kind of show you run, where you want to give people some great value, I'm going to put you as the podcast listener in this story. I don't want you to look, look and listen to the story. I want you to be in the story. Now, even though it's a personal story and it started long before you were born, there's still a way to do that. So I want you to watch how I do it. And the point of this story is really this, that being an effective speaker or communicator is a learned skill. Yes, some people are born with natural abilities. And Laban, coming from a faraway land on the other side of the world from the United States, you've had an experience with lots of people. And you probably met some great athletes. And many athletes are born with higher muscle control, better coordination than an ordinary child has, and they excel in athletics. However, there are people like Tom Brady in the National Football League who was not one of these natural gifted athletes. And if you know anything about American football, Tom Brady is now considered perhaps the greatest quarterback that has ever played football in the history of the game. And yet, when he was drafted out of college, he was the 199th pick in the draft. Sixth round. Nobody wanted him. He wasn't that good. But he did get great. And remember that little poem I shared with you. Good, better, best. Never let it rest till your good is better and your better is best. And that's exactly what's happened to a 45-year-old professional quarterback at the top of his game playing against kids half his age. So that's what you need to think of is it's not where you start. And it's not a gift that your ability to be an amazing communicator is a learned skill. And that's the point of my personal story. 
So that's the suggestion. Before you tell a story, tell the listener the point of the story. Now, Laban answered this question. Have you ever been at a meeting or watched a, a virtual presentation where the speaker is introduced and comes on stage and says, so there I was in Yosemite right after a forest fire. And I was looking at all this devastation around me. And they begin with a story like that. When I hear that, the first thing that goes through my mind, and maybe yours is, so what and who cares? I didn't come to this meeting to hear about a forest fire in Yosemite. I came here to heal my body and lose weight, if that was you in the audience. So have you had that experience and heard that type of approach? I have, and I have a question. Sure. To see whether that translates into a book, because the book that I wrote and put out last year starts off straight into storytelling, and I deliberately did that. And the feedback that I've had, the majority of people that read it, read it cover to cover, and they, they, they don't put it down It's because it's so intriguing what's happened. And I just wonder if it's a different paradigm for a book versus a speech. Well, that's a great question. And, and I've worked with a lot of authors, and I don't think so. A book is a presentation, a presentation on a video, a seminar, a webinar, a podcast. Everything starts somewhere and ends somewhere, and you got something in the middle. Opening body and close is an opening to the book. And what is the first opening usually of most book, a forward? It's all a personal thing. So my suggestion is always open about the reader. You purchase this book, you've opened the page, you're on page one because you have a reason. And that reason could be that you're not in the physical condition that you want to be in. You might be suffering pain or anxiety. You might be overweight. You might not be able to do the things physically that you want. This book will help you do that. As a matter of fact, let me begin with a story that shows the power of how your body can heal itself if you give it the right tools to work with. All right. So to me, that would be a much better story than say a better opening to, the, to your story than saying, so there I was in the hospital bed, unable to move. It's, it starts off with uh, dialogue from two strippers. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> but but, but uh, you, you're right, though. Les Brown, who we both know, wrote the forward for it. He did a magnificent job of giving us that introduction. So maybe that very first chapter that I've put there uh, is okay because it, it, well, there it is works. Some- I'm not saying this is the only way. It works for you. But my recommendation, and I made a little sign, I don't know if you could read this, that the opening of every presentation, phone call, email, book, should begin with this. I don't know if you can see it. It's a little small. (laughs) It says you, for those who are listening only. Yes. You. And that's who, who you're talking to. It's about them. And that's one of our other premises. It's not about you. It's all about your reader or it's all about your podcast listener. I'm not talking to you, Layman. This is not about you. I'm talking to your listener. 
and I'm using a singular. I'm not talking to all of you out there or all you guys, one person. And that's a great way for you to speak. If you're doing a video or an audio or an educational seminar, live or virtual, talk to one person. And their name is you. So would you like to hear this story now that you teed up saying, I want to hear your story? <laughs> is that how I sound like, is it? <laughs> well, not that way. You said it in a much more eloquent way. With your I want to hear your bloody story, Joe. With your <laughs> communication <Right>. skills. <laughs> I would love to. And I know, I know our audience member. All right, so think back. As you're watching and listening to this podcast, think back when you graduated from high school. No matter what country in the world you were in, what were you like? And that would usually be around 17 or 18 years of age. And as you think back on those years in high school, did you enjoy getting up in front of a group and talking to people in your class? Or maybe you went on a school play and were one of the students that participated in drama arts or something like that. Well, if you went back to Far Rockaway High School in Queens, New York in 1959 and stood there at my graduation and asked people, so what's this guy Joel like? Nobody would even know who I was because I never was able to talk to people. I was so shy, self-conscious. And speaking in front of a group was the worst thing for me to do. So I never got up and gave a book report. When I had to, I took a failing grade rather than stand up and try to speak in front of a group. Now, if that was you, if that was you, and then somebody comes up to you, taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, kid, you just graduated high school. Let me fast forward your life a little bit ahead and, and imagine that you're 80 years plus old and you're looking back and you know what you've done? You become a professional speaker in the Speaker's Hall of Fame, having talked to thousands of audiences all around the world. And you coach people on how to be a better speaker. Could you imagine how crazy that would be? So how is that possible? Because speaking is a learned skill. So going back to that graduation day, I had an opportunity to go to college at the golf course I caddied at. We were very poor, so I had to work from I was 12 on, and I caddied at a golf course. And Pepe, in 1959, was the caddy master. He called me in the shack, caddy shack, and he said, we've got great news. The members of the Inwood Country Club have selected you as the caddy of the year, and we're going to give you a four-year college education, room, book, tuition, everything paid for. You just get into a school, and we'll cover all the costs. Now, Laban, if somebody said that to you, how would you feel? Be pretty chuffed, I'd say. It'd be pretty good. And as you're listening, if you had that opportunity when you were 17 years old, how, how, how would you feel? Well, I guess I was 18 at that point. Well, I turned it down. I didn't think I was smart enough to go to college. Certainly probably couldn't get in. Didn't even take the SAT tests because that was not on my radar. And I became a carpenter. I worked in the construction industry, took a two-year building construction course. And there I was banging nails and digging ditches. I was happy, but I wasn't going anywhere. So you said that you were, you remembered me swinging a hammer. So swinging, how about swinging a hammer, yeah. <laughs> swinging a hammer. That's how they say it in New Zealand. <laughs> so just imagine you come out to this construction site and you see this guy and at that point, I was 26 years old. 
I was married. I had a wonderful wife. I don't know why she married me, but she did. She said she saw potential. And by the way, we're married 58 years this year. (laughs) We met when we were 15 and she was 15 and I was 17. And we were married at 19 and 21. And we've been together ever since. When you find your soulmate, you don't let them go. So there I was, banging nails, digging ditches, making 62 bucks a week. So if that was you, what would you think? Well, maybe someday I could make 70 bucks a week. Well, what would you think? Maybe you should get another job. And then the first step of a plan unfolded. And as you think of your life, everything that has happened to you, regardless of your age, and since you're 41 now, is that right, Laban? Right. Uh, For the last 41 years, everything that's happened to you has been for a purpose. And if you were to go back and list everything in your life, and as you're listening to this, if you made a list of the good, the bad, and the ugly, I bet even the ugly and the bad today, in retrospect, looking back in time, you can see that there were some good things that occurred. Had you not had that illness, you would not have discovered that cure, you would have not discovered the power of a podcast where you heard the idea that started you on that journey, Laban. And without that negative, terrible experience of the illness, you wouldn't be who you are today. Would you agree with that premise? Amen, brother. Amen. So I think there's a plan for your life. As you're listening to this, if you're not happy right now, if you're not feeling fulfilled, if you don't have your life purpose and your mission, It's part of a plan. If you just keep doing the right things as you see them today, good things will happen. And that's why I'm so glad you mentioned about make it a great day. Because if you have that attitude, that mindset, and if I just knew that earlier in my life, that we can make it a great day, that there is a plan, even though we don't see it, and that the good, the bad, and the ugly are all part of that plan. So I was at that ugly part. I was making a little money. I was working two different jobs. And then a guy in our church comes up and he says, I'm looking for salespeople and I want to hire you and pay you a commission. Now, Laban, were you outgoing when you were younger, like you are today? Or were you more like I was shy, self-confident? I was a validation seeker. So I was outgoing for all the wrong reasons. Okay. All right. So you were outgoing. Very much so. Very much so. Okay. Well, I wasn't. So I'm being a salesman. And I said, I don't know. What is the, what does commission mean? I didn't even know what commission meant. And he said, well, it means we pay you what you're worth. I didn't like that right away because I didn't (laughs) think I was worth very much. So he got me to quit my job, asked me what I was going to do in this job. I quit my construction job. Instead of getting $62 a week, I was getting nothing now, unless I sold something. Would you like to know what I was selling? Tell me, please. (laughs) Selling World Book Encyclopedia door-to-door in 1969. Much for a complete set back then. No, 1967, I started there. I was 26 years old. Knocking on doors. And I set a company record label. I made 1,200 sales calls 
in the first four months. Now, just imagine as you're listening to this podcast, you never sold anything. You get a job at a straight commission. You got to go out and knock on doors. You knock on over 1,200 doors in four months and you don't sell anything but one sale. How would you feel about yourself? <laughs> but I'm in the wrong, I'm in the wrong gig. <laughs> You'll never make it. So I went in with the one sale to Vernon Cavill, who was the manager of this operation. And he was so excited until he heard how I sold it. And ask me how I sold that. Okay, so just imagine, you can see, if this was you, you don't really know anything about selling. So I had a great approach, knocked on the door, and then I would look down, and the door would open, and I would say kind of quietly, you don't want to buy any books, do you? That was my <laughs> book. And I knocked on this lady's door in Bay Shore, Long Island. Her name was Irene Dunn. I can still picture her standing there. A heavy set Irish woman with a big smile on her face. She said, young man, we love books in this house. What books do you have? And I said, well, it's the World Book Encyclopedia. She said, World Book. I have wanted to buy that for my four children. I didn't know where to get it. Come in, come in. I'll give you a check. Now, can you imagine if you've had 1,200 rejections and you get treated like this? Would you be excited? I would be, yeah. And as you're listening, can you imagine how excited you would be? Until she asks you this question, how much do I make the checkout for? And I paused and said, I don't know. Nobody ever asked me that. Can I use your phone? And I didn't know what the price was because I never gotten that far. And I had to call the office, find out the price. She wrote a check and I turned the check in to Mr. Cavill and told him that story. And he said, Joel, you are the worst salesman I have ever hired or met in 22 years of doing this. And you will never make it dealing with people. And you have the worst attitude of anybody I've ever seen. And you'll never make it. Now, if that was, and somebody told you that, how would you feel at that moment? Not very good. But then he added one word, and we talked about the power of words in your introduction and opening. And he said this word, you know, have the fact that I would never amount to anything. Pause, unless, and he said the word unless, unless you change the way you think about yourself. And I said, Mr. Cavill, how do you do that? He said, maybe this record will help you. And he reached into his desk drawer and pulled out a record. Now, you probably don't remember records because you, you, you download everything today. Then we had CDs and DVDs. Then we had cassettes. But records came before that. And a record was large. It was 12 inches about. And he said, it's the largest selling record of a non-singing message ever recorded. It's called The Strangest Secret by Earl Nightingale. I had never heard of Earl Nightingale, and I did never hear The Strangest Secret. And maybe you haven't either. And it's amazing today how many people don't know about it. But if you just go on YouTube, there's a, a version of Earl Nightingale giving this talk, which has probably impacted the lives of millions of people. Just like what you heard on that podcast, that was the key to unlock your health issue, Laban. That's what happened when people heard The Strangest Secret. And that's exactly what happened to me 
when I took that record home and Judy and I sat in front of the record player, listening to what Mr. Cavill told me I had to do, listen to the record. And basically the strangest secret. And have you heard the strangest secret, Laban? I have a few times. Okay. Well, then, you know, the strangest secret is simply this, that you become what you think about. And when he delivered that message, suddenly my life flashed in front of me, just as yours should right now, because where you are right now, listening to this podcast is based on how you have been thinking. The strangest secret is that you become what you're thinking. And as I heard that, the thoughts ran through my mind. What have I been thinking? I was 26 years old. And all I can remember thinking was all the things I couldn't do. I couldn't do this. I couldn't do that. I couldn't do this. In high school, even three coaches asked me to try out for the team, swimming, basketball, and baseball. I never even went for a tryout because I didn't think I was good enough. So I thought in cans. Now, fast forward, if anybody ever told me that my business card would be this can that says success comes in cans, not in cannots, and it's heavy. And over half a million people have this can now around the world as a reminder of what you think about, that whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. So imagine that you were that age and you hear something like this for the first time. Now, in 2022, we all know those things. We've heard that you become what you think about. It's not revolutionary. But in the 60s, this was revolutionary. People didn't know those things. And Judy and I listened to that record over and over again for a week. I didn't go out. I didn't make any sales calls. And my thinking started to change. And then I said to Judy, I'm going to learn how to sell those books. Then I'm going to quit and go get a real job. I'm not going to fail at this. And I started to think as I was driving to my first sales call out in this territory, if my mother, as poor as we were, had ever seen this world book, she would have figured out a way to get it for me. It would have helped me so much in school. And I was in love with this product. It was so interesting and fascinating. Very different than what experience I experienced I had in school, which I didn't like at all and wasn't effective at. And of course, that's why I graduated in the half of the class that made the top half possible. Actually, I was in the bottom quarter of the high school class. So I started to think about the value these kids could have if they had these books. So can you see, Laban, there was a change in thinking. Was there a change in thinking, Laban? I'm nodding aggressively oh, for those just okay. listening. Yeah, there really okay. was. So remember what he said. The strangest secret is you become what you think about. Suddenly I was thinking about how these books could bless these children, how they could be better in school and more informed and create, create curiosity and creativity if they had something that was so beautifully illustrated and easy to read. It wasn't like these technical encyclopedias. It was so different. And as you're listening, if you ever had World Book, which is the one they used in schools all the time, you know the difference. So that day, I made four sales calls, two sales before noon. I doubled four months of activity in four hours. How is that possible? 
And I don't know what car you had when you were young, Laban, riding around in New Zealand, but I had an old beat up Volkswagen with a crack in the rear view mirror and looked in that mirror. I said, I did it. I did it. Then I tried to think, what did I do? Same territory, same product, same price, <gasps> different thinking. What if I changed my thinking and thought that way every day? And that's what you need to think of right now. What is your thinking like? about your future, about your present, about the relationships you have. Your thinking determines your experience. And that was the turning point. That was the switch. Just like you discovered how to heal your body and get on that carnivore diet that you told me about earlier, that's the switch. So picture four months of nothing. The next part of that year, the following eight months, I became the number one salesperson out of 1,100 that worked for Mr. Cavill. How is that possible? Now, I didn't become a great salesperson. I didn't even know how to close or handle objections. But I did know the power of that wonderful product to help kids learn better. And that's what prospects caught, that feeling. And I was, on, I was selling almost everybody. So what went from nothing to something? So imagine if that was you, that you had that dramatic illustration early in your life, that your thinking determines your experience, that you become what you think about. So what do you think about? So fast forward two years. Now, Laban, it's 1969. I moved from New York to Arizona, and I was made a district manager. Because I was doing so well in sales, they figured, oh, he'd be a great manager. But I had never given a talk before. So just imagine, Laban, you're in a room and our podcast listener is with you. So the two of you are sitting there in the front row and there's 15 other people. There were 17 people in the room and Joel Weldon, 1969. And this was on September 4th, 1969. You're sitting in Tempe, Arizona, in a hotel, small meeting room, and you hear me give my first presentation. And then it's over. Everybody leaves. But you stay. But you're invisible now. And you see a gentleman come back in the room who was a school teacher. And that's who usually sold the world book with school teachers, except me. I was a carpenter. And he said, Joe, Joe, would you like some feedback? Now, Laban, what would you say if you gave a presentation and somebody in your audience came back in the room, nobody else was around and asked you, asked you if you would like feedback? What would you have said? Yes, please. All right. That's what I said. He said, Joel, this was the worst meeting I have ever attended in my life. And you, young man, are the worst speaker I have ever heard in my entire life. Now, you're laughing. I was crying. I just started to cry. Now, Back in 1969, men didn't cry like that in front of group. Not today, it's okay. You know, that showing that feminine side of us masculine men. And he yelled at me, he said, stop crying, you're not a baby. I'm going to fix you. I said, what do you mean you're going to fix me? He said, you don't know how to speak. I'm going to teach you how to speak. You're going to come to Toastmasters with me next Tuesday morning, 6.30, Brad's Coffee Shop, right across from ASU. So Laban, that was turning point number two. So I went, and on September 9th, 1969, I joined the Tempe Arizona Toastmasters Club. 
And now let's stop right there. Have you ever been in Toastmasters? Laban, have you ever been to a Toastmasters meeting? I've been to one, yeah. Well, okay. They're all over the world. Every free country has Toastmasters clubs. We have over 200 clubs in Arizona, which is a small state. So wherever you are, there is a Toastmasters club available to you. And now, well over 50 years later, I'm still a member of the Chats Toastmasters Club in Scottsdale, Arizona, because it was life-changing. So just imagine, you join this club because you can't speak. You're told you're the worst speaker anybody's ever heard. And five years later, you're on a stage at a Toastmasters meeting at the Disneyland Hotel in Anaheim, California, in front of 2,000 people, and you're one of the nine finalists in the world out of 60,000 competitors in the world's finals. And you place in the top three in the world. And that's exactly what happened to me. How is that possible? Because learning to be an effective speaker is a learned skill. Being an effective speaker is a learned skill. And learning is a learned skill. You can learn to be an even better communicator. Fast forward 10 years and standing next to Zig Ziglar, I'm inducted into the Professional Speakers Hall of Fame. How is that possible from somebody who couldn't even lead his Sunday school class in silent prayer? That's where I started. I'm sure you're even better than that. So if you want to do anything, whether it's play football, how much effort and time are you willing to put in? Tom Brady proved it's a learned skill. He has mastered his craft by spending thousands of hours practicing, watching films, just like I did in learning how to be a better communicator. And you can take your greatest weakness, which in my case was the inability to communicate, and turn it into your greatest strength. So why don't you think right now, what do you think is your greatest weakness? What is holding you back? Could you flip it around and turn that into your greatest asset? Now, in listening to that story, did you feel that you were involved in that story? Or did I just say, so I did this, then I did this, and then I did this, and then I did this, and then I did that. This That's is the story. This is the least amount of talking I've ever done on a podcast. <laughs> well, I, I told you, you we're going to charge you by the word. <laughs> and it's because I felt like I was in a backpack that you were carrying around and I was just looking over your shoulder and just observing the the journey of, of what you just took us through. A, very, a powerful, powerful moment in my life. Well, that's what you need to do as a podcaster and as a member of, of this audience you need to be able to put whoever you're communicating in into your message. And I'm sure, you, Laban, you've seen a movie that was so good, so well done, that you didn't feel you were watching the movie. You felt you were in the movie. And that's what that method I just described to you is, putting your audience into the story because of this premise. No one cares about you. As you're listening to this podcast, you do not care anything about me. You don't care about my why. I think you care about what does this guy know that can help me be an even better speaker. 
So I've given you a couple of things to think about. Open with the point of the story. So the audience knows where you're taking them. Otherwise, they go right to their smartphone and they start texting or looking at emails. And they're gone. And they have it with them at all times. Built-in distraction. But if you're talking about them, if you use that word you, not all of you, not some of you, you. Because if you use the plural, oh, I think Joel's talking to that guy over there. Or maybe he's talking to her over there. But I said, what were you like in high school? What would you have been thinking if somebody said that to you? What if somebody told you that you were the worst speaker they had ever heard? And that's a skill that you can use. So here's your assignment. One of the calls to action. Look at your last email. Print it out to a customer or client, somebody that you're doing business with. And circle how many times you used I and how many times you used you. And you know what you're going to find? I is the most used word in the English language. Laban, I'm writing you this because I need to know this, this, and this. And another thing I need is I need this, this, and that. That's opening with I. So here's your assignment. After you've circled the I's and the U's, see if you could rewrite the first two sentences or paragraphs, not the whole thing, and get rid of the I's and make them use. And I'll make this challenge to you. You could write a 10-page letter to somebody that you know or don't know as a client and never use I, me, or mine one time. That's a skill you can learn if you make it all about them. And those old letters that you've heard from selling W-I-I-F-M, what's in it for me? That's what the reader of your email wants to know. That's what the other person on the phone wants. That's what you want listening to this podcast. What is in it for me? What can I do? Well, you know you can make it a great day. You can open a story by telling the point. You can put your audience into your message. You can do all of that. And if you do, you're going to be even more effective at communicating. All right, say something later. I know that you've got so much in you. <laughs> I know that anyone who has grasped one skerrick of what you've put down today will be fascinated to know how they can get more of Joel Weldon. How the heck can people hear about you more? Well, the, the, I mean, if you're really serious about being a more effective speaker, and we have a coaching program where I work with people one-on-one, -on -one, a limited number, and I have other coaches that work with me. One is my daughter, Jenny, who's a professional speaker as well as a coach. And she's marvelous. And we have two other wonderful people, Verid and Michelle. And then we have a system, an online program where we do group coaching for people who want to kind of pursue it on themselves. And I've got hundreds of videos. Everything that I've just shared is on separate videos so that you can learn these skills. And the simplest way is if you're really serious about taking it to the next level, I'd be happy to talk to you about it. So if you just go to talktojoel.com talk to joel.com and set up an appointment. And let's talk about you and what you need to do to accomplish the things that you want and to see if our system could help you. That's it. Talk to joel.com. And Joel, do you have any concluding thoughts for our audience today? Well, yes. It's interesting you asked that. In other words, we got to start somewhere and end somewhere, huh? 
Well, here it is. If if I was to summarize for you everything I've learned in speaking into one sentence with just 22 words, here's what it would be. If you want to be an even more effective communicator and speaker, here are the 22 words. Are you ready? Laban, are you ready? I'm born ready, Joe. Okay, good. Speak to your audience about what they need in an organized way they can follow and get yourself out of the way. Now make it a great day. Ladies and gentlemen, Joel Weldon. It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com.